0: Welcome to Petty Talks, brought to you thanks to Seed Golf Balls, who deliver you affordable tour performance, same performance, half the price. Check them out at www.seedgolf.com and try them today. Thank you for pressing play, folks. On today's show, we have one of the best coaches and golfing brands in the country of Ireland, brother to multi-major winner, Ryder Cup captain Pawdrick, it's Mr. Ty Carrington. But first, as Gay Byrne would say, roll it there, Roisin. I
1: mean, listen, we talking about practice. Joe Raleigh told us the production
2: line was finished in Kerry. Joe O'Reilly what do you did it us? Don't, look, don't look. Thank you for Press and Play folks, on today's show we have professional golf coach who studied at the Titus Performance Institute in California, USA and under Dr. Liam Hennessy at the Setanta College here in Ireland. He presently owns and teaches from the Harrington Golf Academy based here in Dublin, Mr. Ty Harrington, welcome to the show. Hi,
1: Parik and uh, delighted that you have me on the show. How are you today? Very very good, uh, busy but um, really looking forward to doing this.
2: We're hearing a facility in Sorts, leafy suburb of Dublin that it is. So there are some people hitting balls in the background if you hear them, it just adds flavor to the episode. Absolutely. Where to start? Well, the facility here is unbelievable. We'll get into that later in the show. But what was it like growing up in, I'm assuming, a very god-mad house? Absolutely mayhem.
1: So uh, growing up, uh, five boys in the house, I look back now and I think about my poor mother. And uh, a father that was uh, very sporting, he played in two All-Ireland finals and uh, then took up golf and we played pitch and putt when we were young uh, and then graduated the way we did in those days to uh, golf up in, actually started in State Valley. My dad was a member there, I was about 12 years of age and from there my father retired from the guards and uh, they decided to build a golf course which of course is Staxtown. So once Staxtown was um, being built, Parik came on the scene, Parik would have been very young maybe three or four so we would go up and give a hand doing the fairways or picking stones but we'd also hit shots and Parik would generally run around the bushes looking for golf balls and whatever. So the whole sport thing in the family uh, like ran for years and years and uh, my poor mother had to take up golf at the, in the end because just to see all <laughs> the talk around the table was just golf so uh no there were great years and the, you know they were it was a great childhood to have because we were involved in numerous sports as i presume a lot of people were at that stage there was no playstation and there was no big computer, iPhones or anything, so it was really get out and play football or run or you know if you were lucky enough to play a bit of golf, so it was brilliant.
2: We'll mention my name say for a second because yeah. there's a, I think there's an interesting couple of stories here because you carried Farparik throughout his career, amateur career, up to tour school so I'm assuming there's a couple of juicy stories in there from his amateur days.
1: Well people you know we talk about and we are going to talk about facilities later on and. You know my lucky break in life, uh, ending up in the Titles Performance Institute. But growing up, uh, Porrick would have you know started off with a second hand set of clubs. I mean, it was as simple as that, it was five boys, as you can imagine, both parents working. Um, we didn't know any better. I always remember him saying, and I think it was Gary McNeil, uh, who's the pro now up in um, Royal Port Rush. And if, if it wasn't you, Gary, I apologize. But I think it was Gary turned up at some tournament with a brand new set of beryllium, copper, ping clubs. And I remember Porig coming home and it was the talk of the house, these new clubs. Um, but that's the way it was growing up. Like we, myself and my second brother, we just shared a set of clubs. So I had three, five, seven, nine. I still remember that and he two, four, six, eight. So that's the way it was really. And it was like Porig would have played multiple sports up to maybe Fifteen. So the dynamic in the house was my father was playing off four, I was off four, had an uncle off four, second brother was off four, and we had another brother off four. So there was five or six, four handicappers all the time. So Porrick, when he got to that kind of handicap, he had great competition all the time. But at about 15, he went from kind of four or five down to scratch in one year. And that's when he would have channeled all his interest into you know playing golf and it was only at that stage that he would have got you know maybe a a new set of clubs he would have saved up or whatever but um you know he wouldn't have had access to what you're sitting in today Mm. which makes it all the more incredible he did get great coaching from uh, Howard bennett Howard bennett in england who's still alive actually and i still keep in touch with him he did a great job. Uh, they used to meet out in Port Marnock, I think, Parik on weekends, maybe on a Sunday, and they'd get coaching from Howard. So that was a really great Philip for Park. He looked forward to that all week, that he was getting coaching from this still highly regarded uh, coach. So that brought him on in terms of uh, his development. Obviously, he's looking at other players as well. So he's gone from an environment of being bashed around the place by the brothers, all good golfers, yeah. and we would let him know that. But then he, playing against his peers, they would have all been better than him at the time. And talking about juicy stories, I remember going to um, Interlaken for the Walker Cup. I think it was in 95, it was the second one. 93, was was 91 or 93, Port Marnock? I think Interlaken was the middle one. um, And the 12-man team that played for... Great Britain and Ireland. If you look at the 12 players, Poric, who was 6 or 7, 8 on the team, he's the only one that made it. Okay. Uh, the likes of Bradley Dredge, who won a car last couple of weeks ago, he was on that team, but didn't quite make the heights. Um, and there was a few guys that actually never played again, who were, Matthew Stamford was one of them, who were superstars. There's still a couple of players, Van Phillips and that, that are on the Challenge Tour, but... It was amazing to see that as a as a young amateur, how poor would be kind of middle of the pack and like never thinking he's going to become what he did or but I think it was that training that hard upbringing of playing against people that he was always the underdog mm. that has really stood him in you know good stead, obviously obviously yeah,
2: um just to compare i suppose resources, let's say when you were. Um, tracking around the amateur scene in the early 90s to the amateur scene now in their facilities and even like that of equipment James Subaru on the amateur and the Saturday before Titus were there to help with his driver in tree. so I'm assuming that's massively different from when yourself and we were, were, were travelling around the, the, the tracks
1: uh, Absolutely I think that um the amateurs today uh, I know Connor Porcel through his father Joey Um. You know the facilities they have definitely are better now it's a it's debate, but when you look at where Polwick ended up yeah is it is it that big an advantage if if you don't want it badly enough? so I'm speaking, I'm wearing two hats here I've the most equipped facility in Ireland, okay, but I'm also saying that alone is not going to get you to the top of the three and that's what I see and I know we're going to discuss that later about coaching but you have to want it you have to put the work into it so not necessarily having access to everything in, that's available um, you know doesn't make a fantastic player now I will say this I follow all types of golf avidly women's golf amateur golf you name it first question I asked you today was how was Robert Brazil getting on in the semi-final, so I love golf. I will say this, if you look at the three superstars that are coming on the scene in America, uh, Machi Wolf, Colin, uh, Maricaua. Marikawa. Mar- I, I struggle with that word, Mar- Marikawa. and obviously then my favourite player, and a guy I think has a great chance, you're, you're going to laugh when I say this, I think he's a great chance of making a Ryder Cup appearance. Maybe the next time Victor Hovland tries, right? um, I think that the facilities that they are being exposed to are unbelievable. I know a few of the coaches that are involved with them, and they have access to literally everything that I have and more. And along with nutritionists in, in Oklahoma, so two of them went to Oklahoma. Colin went to California. So, uh matthew and uh, victor would have had access to unbelievable facilities but have they look like they have uh, an unbelievable work ethic as well so that's the difference you can't have one without the other so it's debatable are we better off today or
2: are they better off in the old days yeah you still put the work in i suppose that's these days they are full-time amateurs while in Padraig's day and your day Padraig finished his degree and then and then went pro so. Yeah, Padraig would have done accountancy
1: at night as did my other brother, my second brother I joined the guards day one because my father was a guard we didn't, you know, that was accepted There was, you had to pay for university in those days so it was tougher in terms of if you wanted a further education you had to pay for it and they did it at night so Padraig would have played full time during the day and maybe gone to two or three class a week but there's no doubt that even though he didn't have the use of track man he didn't have the use of other you know technology that's out there now he would have just had the will and desire to obviously get where he did
2: today definitely so you carried for power to the arms to the Norths the Souths the Wests and up to tour school in 95 so I've discussed with a couple of people on the show already that tour school is intense both on ladies and men's tour. so you were there and you carried for him. How was it like in
1: '95? I've been in tour school three times. Two of the times I was with people who were hopeful and the other time I was there with Parik who was assured. Um, we played chess all week, that was the most stressful thing that we saw. Um, I'm being serious, he finished 14th with a bogey at the last. We laid up off the water because he didn't hit a good drive. Um, never in doubt, never looked like he wasn't going to get his card. And I think that's an important thing for listeners to understand. Um, Porik had such a work ethic and such a belief in himself that, and I'm not saying this, it's actually true, tour school week for him was the easiest week he's had. Uh, The toughest part was trying to beat me at chess. I'm as competitive as he is and uh, it was quite close to chess was. But I I remember ringing home on the the final round and the operator, in those days the operator would connect you and the operator actually said to me, did he get through?
0: Yes.
1: And and, um, it was very um, emotional at the time because there was a great uh, you had a great sense that the whole of Ireland wanted them to succeed so it was brilliant so there was great support in those days as there is these days
2: yeah, I, think, I think there was more um, I've had a chat back in my home club in North Clare west of Venice Diamond um, of people just telling stories of the south and that there was two, 3,000 people on final days and it doesn't seem to be that same volumes anymore and golf is 10 times as big I'm just wondering why is that is is it coverage is this? I think there's more tournaments
1: there's more world ranking points now for tournaments abroad in in Parrax Day Royal Itham and St Anne's and the St Andrews Lynx Trophy I think were the two big things outside of Ireland certainly the south the north they were big tournaments in our day big crowds um, and uh, I just feel now that the players are being pulled from pillar to post trying to chase points and you see the even the Walker Cup team there last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago for the South, you know, they get a buy-in because they can't make the start mm. of it because they're over-training for the, the, I think it's Royal Liverpool, isn't it? Uh, it's High Lake, correct, yeah, yeah so it, they're yeah. in High Lake, so there's a week of training, now they they obviously were exhausted because they all got knocked out in the first round they their super players, so. You know, there's more demands on, on younger players now. I feel there's more tournaments, so maybe that's a reason why we're not seeing the crowds or the the kind of the superstars playing in all of these northside, the provincial
0: championships. Yeah. Um, so you were a guard, correct? And then you were TPI California. So how'd that happen? Very very unusual
1: uh, 18 years to the day I decided to leave the Garrets. I was just bored now I will say this I had a great time and I loved the Garrets. I right? really had a good time It was a great job to be in then great camaraderie. Uh, I just got bored and I did uh, Kind of book making for a while. I bought into a few shops because I was very analytical same as my brother's accountancy but an opportunity came up for me. I met Dr. Liam Hennessy through Park. So I met Liam originally. I introduced him to Park, and he started training in So an opportunity came up. Uh, TPI did a seminar here in Ashbourne. I attended with Dr. Liam and loved it. It made perfect sense to me. Now, my father always wanted to be a teacher, something to do with sports. So I suppose it's just in me. It was the right time and through Park, I'd have to thank him for that, uh, I got an introduction and I was able to go to TPI for about three years on and off, so I was back and forth from Ireland to America uh, for about three years learning, did all, every one of the courses, so there was 30 something levels that I did and really enjoyed the biomechanics of it and why things work. So they have a very distinct policy of it doesn't matter how you swing the golf club, you're gonna swing it the way you're built. So some people are big, some people are small, injuries, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. So they were big into assessing how the person could move, so movement patterns, and then not so much building a swing around that, but working with what they have. There's no point in trying to swing like Rory McIlroy. I do me hips in. If you're a 20 stone ex rugby player, okay? So that's a thing you would probably see yourself like out in the golf course. You see your friend, you know, maybe thrusting up through the ball. Looks a bit like Rory or, or, you know, Justin Thomas is a great example. And you're going, but that's not going to work for him. His, you know, whatever body parts don't work the same way. Another thing that's very important to point out here is everyone goes on about Brooks Copkin and Dustin and how good they are. Those guys are in the gym twice a day every day. So like you need to be careful here. You're looking at aliens. They're not real golfers. I mean the amount of work that they put in on the fitness, flexibility. So I think golfers, and we're going to allude to this later on, I, I know when we talk about YouTube, I think that's where we go a little bit wrong is they're not the same as us.
0: Yeah.
2: And then for further likes of us, the, the golfers out there and
0: Omni mates, why would you say Tee guy is just as important for them than the likes of Kip, Kail, Rory JT? Because I feel that,
1: I think where most golfers go wrong is that they try and swing in a particular way. Or they go to a teacher or a coach that um, teaches a, pat- a particular method. That to me just doesn't work. I've never seen it work. I don't believe in it at all. I heard uh, Rebecca's podcast earlier on and she mentioned, you know, that um, she had attended a biomechanist in Australia, but that's what they're doing, they're assessing how you can move and then try and build a swing around you. So let me give you an example, you break, you've break. you broken your shoulder mm-hmm. a couple of times, you've hurt your cruise ship playing soccer when you were young. Now if we're trying to get you to perform a swing that's putting pressure on your lead foot through impact no you need to get your lead side better well if your cruise has been injured even five ten years before that your body won't want to go there same with the shoulder example you need to get your hands higher in the swing we need to get you more over here just not going to happen because your shoulder is going to you know preclude you from doing that so at TPI they would assess the body, ask you about injuries, your ankle stuff like that, and then try and build a swing around you. So a very interesting story when I was at TPI, an uh, American football player came in, and a uh, very famous star, now, I don't follow American football, big guy, right? And uh, hitting shots, and they were trying to get him to you know, perform a certain move and he was struggling, and they asked him, they said, do you have any injuries in your your lead foot? We seem to be having a a problem getting over here, and he said, no, 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 no injuries, and uh, he still struggled, and he struggled, and about two hours later, we were having lunch, and someone said to him, "Um, maybe we should try a different set of shoes, or, you know, you seem to be struggling, and he went to change his shoes, and I kid you not, Porrick, he's missing a toe. (laughs) So someone had stood on him in a line-out, you know that and he lost a toe many years before that and when we asked him was he injured he said no but he didn't realize the difference that, that would make his body didn't want to go there yeah so the minute that we found that out we worked around that we didn't get him pressurizing as much into that area and he's now playing off he's playing off about two or three now he plays in the, the a lot of the pro amps so um, I can't think of a second name, Reggie something, Reggie was his first name, so a very interesting uh, story for me in terms of what was the point in trying to get him to do something that he couldn't actually physically do. Wasn't even there, his told. Wasn't even <laughs> there, someone else had
2: stood on a crush or whatever. So so, so here at Harrington Golf Academy, I'm massively impressed with your students, they're all performing, lowering their handicaps, drastically lowering their handicaps for the, for the most part. So what's your approach to teaching? Is it your approach? Is it the student's approach or is it just there's a Harrington School of Golf culture now? I would say
1: uh, culture is the biggest um, word that I would say differentiate uh, the Harrington Golf Academy from other coaches. I am in the lucky position now that I don't need clients, I'm always full. Um, it was very, very tough at the start. I will admit that. The first year or two were very, very tough. Trying to convince people that I don't give single lessons. So, there's no point. you would just be taking your money on false pretenses. So, trying to convince people that golf is learnable. That's the funny thing. Like, golf is very like chess or playing the piano. It's a pattern recognition thing. So, The way people, grandmasters learn chess or good golfers learn golf is through a process called chunking, where they see a pattern and they're able to put six or seven pieces together in one box. So if you ask a very good player, what are you thinking about in your backswing? He's not thinking about his backswing because he has chunked that into seven bits of information into one file and put it away. So this is why... uh, people taking up golf for the first time don't realize it is learnable but it takes an awful lot of time it's a repetition game so the guys I mentioned earlier on the 20 year olds Victor and Colin and and Matthew Wolf in America um, why are they so good? well the reality is they probably hit hundreds of thousands of golf balls I get clients come in to me here on the first occasion so I only sell packages of the least I'll do is four my average is about ten so if you come to me ten weeks, ten hours of tuition and even at that and I tell people this that's the minimum that you can expect to improve because once you've done short game and I know you have some questions later on that I'm big about short game versus uh, long game the difference between the two of them you need to attack both sides. So you need to uh, be able to there's no point in being able to drive the ball three hundred yards, Powerick, if you can't chip. Okay? Yes. Yeah. So that's an important facet that people come into the game for the first time don't realise is it's a repetition game to be honest with you. So if you see what Porrick did and if you see what I teach our game in Roganstown as well, if you see what the young fellas up there are doing, they've a fantastic junior setup up there with um um, the guys just two or three pros that are that are working up there and uh, do a fantastic job with the juniors what they're doing is they're just going around and around and around so literally they just it's a repetition thing i think that's what a lot of people miss with golf it's not go down to the range on a wednesday night and hit 200 golf balls that's not teaching you anything it's actually going around a practice ground or a Hitting to different targets, chipping, going around agreeing against your friends. The things that are are so obvious, why are these guys so good? But most people don't see that.
2: We'll get into a couple of those questions. Because I knew you were coming on the show, I put it out on, on Twitter and Instagram, my second homes. Did they? Have, did anyone who's listening or, or following Little Old Me have any questions for a coach? Right. So I have a couple. So at Higgins455 asks, I'm a single figure golfer. Finding it hard to get below five, so like me, and below seven for me, and have you any chipping drills or games that would help Higgins?
1: Absolutely. But and this is what I was alluding to earlier on, I have hundreds of them. The problem is some of them are suited to Powerick Lynch, some of them are suited to Ty Harrington, and some of them are suited to Powerick Harrington. So That's the problem with YouTube and with, you know, it's a very valid question. But the the problem he has is we need to see him. We need to see what he does, what his release pattern is, how he sets up. It might be a setup issue. It might be he doesn't understand how the club should react. He might not understand how to get the ball high, how to get the ball to skid, how to get the ball to land soft. It could be anything. So that's the problem I could give you a generic answer but it could and probably would be wrong for that Mr. Higgins. person. Higgins. So for Mr. A, Higgins. A, a
2: similar question anglo underscore irish underscore golf mm-hmm. as how do I stop my right shoulder from leading so brilliant question
1: so here we go you,
2: you you see
1: this a lot park yourself playing with your friends so this is a typical over-the-top move we don't want the right shoulder coming out it could be a hundred things that are wrong and the problem with uh, golf is you're out playing with your buddies um, I had a guy in here one day and he said um, I'm doing X and I asked him why are you doing X and he said because my friend told me this is a good thing to do and I said no that's not good for you and he said but this guy plays off plus three so I said to him what's he work at and he said he's a funeral undertaker and I said, he buries people. Why would you take advice? So think about this, Park. I know you find this funny, that's yeah. a true story. He's burying her. his buddy's swing. Maybe the advice he gave was quite correct, but not for this person, right? Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of giving advice, it's one of the only professions, this and interior decorating, Dermot Bannon, Uh, will tell you this everyone's an interior designer and everyone's a golf coach like if you were able to teach golf you'd be sitting in here with me making money doing it and that's the problem Mm -hmm. people tend to try and take the well-meaning advice of a guy who works in a bar who's an accountant the problem is if it goes wrong then you've got so many pieces of advice that you just go down a rabbit hole and
2: And that's YouTube. That's YouTube going, a friend told me this, I'm leading with my shoulder, I'll YouTube it, and I'll get 10 drills. The way I treat YouTube, my father now is 63, watches loads of YouTube, I tell him, Well, on now John, go get a lesson, come away with with two nice drills, and then if you're stuck for something else, look for that very focused title about what you need to work on. Because you'll still find the relative video, but don't depend on it. So
1: I had... A lady came in to me, a very nice lady, um, a tennis player who would retired and took up golf, went for a lesson. Coach says to her, um, I need you to, you're complicating this, I need you to turn back and turn forward. Now if you look at that line of advice, it's perfectly sane and correct to tell someone who wants to play golf, you need to turn back, in other words get your weight back here, the pressure back here and turn forward. There was only one problem. The girl couldn't play golf at all. She was terrible. She was hypermobile. So by telling her to move back, she was adding on to an already, what we would call a loopy swing. So the minute we shortened her up into a kind of a John Ram backswing, don't forget she came from a tennis background, voila, once we put her into a proper position where she's not lifting up. So the advice was good, but it was bad for her. Yeah. So that's what I would urge listeners here that are looking at YouTube. I'm not saying YouTube is right or wrong. Most of the time, it's probably right. But maybe not for you. That's
2: key. Andy Daniel Byrne asks, at what point do you go from instructing someone to building out a coaching plan? Great question.
1: I absolutely, because of the culture here, I don't instruct anybody. Um, and I don't give one lesson and I was very poor for the first year doing that but I've stuck to my guns Um, I think you need from day one to discuss a plan so the first thing you need to do is when I, I had a, a lady started this morning who started brand new she had done short game so she was in starting um long game today we would assess her injuries how she can move and um, work on uh, a number of key fundamentals that she needs to to uh, work on going forward so she has a lift in her swing sorry Rita if you're listening she's a lift in her swing so we have to work on that and there's a few other items but generally it was okay it's very important to convey that to the client park. you need to give them the plan of action this is going to take time so she signed up for 10 lessons this is five months take between now and christmas out of your life you can go and play golf obviously that's not a problem but give yourself time don't think that you're going to get fixed tomorrow and it's by explaining that plan from day one that um you know a lot of clients will go oh okay i'll try this and you do need to we use a system called Coach Now which was uh, originally Edify, which is an online system where you will video them and they get their own training space and they can they get the videos tomorrow and they can follow along and they can ask me questions on it and I try and keep that contact all the time with the clients so that they don't lose heart yeah, because there's going to be bumps along the way I've never had anyone come in here yet that was sailed through everything so I think that's important I think you need to be honest Park. you need to tell them as Rebecca alluded to in her podcast if it was easy
2: everybody would be doing it definitely and and that might bring us nice on to Mike underscore Delaney one's question golf coaching how tough is it to make a good living from it it's very tough you're sitting in a facility here that costs
1: about a hundred thousand okay and I don't own the property it's leased here in drawing and park golf center Um. The problem you have is, at the start, uh, it was tough, really, really tough, uh, as Connor Moore would say about Tiger Woods, really, really tough. Really tough. Really tough. Um, after about two years, so I'm about five years at it, after about two years, I started to make a little bit of money. Then the problem you have coming from TPI is you need to invest in the equipment, need to invest in an indoor facility, so here we can hit into a simulator in the winter hit out through the, the shutters in the summer. That all costs money. And you know, overall, I'm, this is my sixth year, gone into my sixth year. The other problem you have is once you hit the 38,000, you're into the VAT whole area. So it's not as easy to make money as people think. It's not like the old days where you rock up and it's 30 quid for 30 minutes and you put it in your back pocket. It's now a business. Yeah. So, you take um, most mornings I would start at around about six o'clock in the morning I do uh, on course stuff in, in Roganstown um, and I could finish at 10 at night now obviously I'd have breaks you know during the day probably an average day for maybe five hours of t- tuition you wouldn't do too much more than that but they are long days in terms of you know last bank holiday weekend I worked every day because clients want to come in yeah, on course. you know so you know, would I recommend someone? You know, we have Bren Walton in, in Roganstown, to starting out his journey at the moment, and you know, I'm trying to give him advice. And you know, it's tough, but it's very rewarding. I will say that. Uh, there's nothing like, you know, I had a client won the President's Prize a couple of weeks ago, I had a client won a Captain's Prize last, it's just nothing like that. It really, um, you know, does make it worthwhile and satisfying. Um, I do a lot of work with Rebecca, when you came in today, you saw me working with her. Um, it is satisfying, but it's a tough job, like if I had met someone who was 18 and said I want to be a golf coach, it's a long road, it's a long road to be good. The
2: yeah. um, last one of these is from Damien McGetterick, um, I met him up in um, the Swords range across, across the way a couple weeks ago. He asked, from a cultural point of view, can you compare your own experience and what the eye can see versus technology?
1: very good question and this question was asked to Chris Como believe it or not only a couple of months ago and it was a very interesting answer answer because there's a big debate going on in America about has technology destroyed coaching okay and Chris Como uh, you know answered this very question I deal with a company in America called AMG so Mike Granato and Sean Webb and they use a system called um, uh, gears. So it's a $60,000 3D analysis suit and we have a lot of conversations back and forth. I grew up, uh, and Porik grew up, using towels under our arms for connection, I'm sure you did too Porik. Yeah. That has now proved to be totally incorrect. What they're seeing from a two-time winner this year on the USPGA Tour is they actually, it's, you would lose a good bit of yardage by staying that connected. His arms on the way down, his lead arm is coming slightly off the chest. So on the way up, um, it's certainly not pinning to the chest, it's staying a couple of degrees off it. And on the way down, the hands drop, and obviously then with the whole, how the, the bottom half of the body moves. But what they're seeing now is that arm is slightly moving off the chest, allowing it to create the velocities that you see on tour now. So, is Brooks Kopka as connected as all those drills we did years ago? No, he's not. So, you can't see that on camera. You can't see that with the eye. So, there is an awful lot of new technology coming out. Dr. Sasha McKenzie with Body Track and Ping is doing a lot of work on how the feet move. It has transpired that there's not a player on tour whose footwork is not fantastic, okay? So how the, the center of pressure, when I was growing up, it would be move your weight to the right, move your weight back to your lead side. That's not actually true. You're moving your center of pressure. So if you look at Rory McIlroy, that's a good example. He looks like he doesn't move. Look at Michelle Wee. I know she's out injured at the moment. Looks like she doesn't move. But if you look at their figures, their body track figures, the swing catalyst figures, their, their footwork, you'll see that an awful lot of pressure has moved into that back foot and then moved back to the front. Just to give you an example of how important this is, Justin Rose was an average, ordinary player on tour. He really went to town with Swing catalysts on his footwork just before he won his US Open. That's why he's one of the best iron players in the world. And he doesn't look like he's moving around too much, but he is moving serious amounts of pressure from right to left. So. This is important to know in, in, in terms of technology, I get a normal client in here, obviously I'm not going to, you know, you, you have to try and gauge what you're going to tell someone. But I'm aware of if I can get them to move better to their right hand side and move better to their lead side on the way down, but well, it's going to help them. Yeah. So I think that's important. It's important to know the nuts and bolts, but then it's also important to know what to tell the client.
2: Of course. And that leads us nicely into the facility here, and it's it's second to none. Um, I've only seen some of the comparable as recently as the new setup in Le Hinch that all the tour pros uh, for the Irish Open were raving about, and some other comparable examples in Woburn and, and other good places like that, but it's one of the best in the country. Um, so can you describe, I'd say, the, the different technology you have, and
1: why you invested in it? Okay, so we have Trackman. Now, the reason that I got Trackman is the weather in Ireland, believe it or not. I don't need Trackman to see whether the ball is going left or right. I do think it's a good tool in terms of people who are fitting, I really do think. So the work I was doing with Rebecca today was on a new set of irons, checking lies and lofts against how the ball is curving in the air and the numbers that were coming up on Trackman. So you were looking at that, Porrick. And... the reason that Trackman's invaluable to me is I have the simulator option, so Trackman 4. Uh, so it has some fantastic golf courses on it. I know you're going to hit a few shots today. Um so it means in the winter I can sit in here, nice cup of coffee, and hit shots into a simulator and not have the cold. Yeah. So that was worth investing in that, even though it was very expensive. And um, I have K Vest. K Vest is a kind of not the poor relation but the cheaper relation to uh, gears as i alluded earlier on it's a 3d measuring device it's like a little vest that you wear and it's fantastic in terms of for better players not for beginners for better players seeing how we can improve their movement how we can get them quicker okay that's about fifteen thousand. Um, the have capto putting which is taking the world by storm it's unbelievable the size of it and he has some fantastic products coming out uh, at the show next uh, January that will revolutionize the game so that's really good it's a 3d measuring uh, device that you place in the putter you wouldn't even know it was there and the the data on it is incredible so um also have Sam put lab um, had that originally and then finally I have body track so body track is just the brother to swing catalyst which is uh, a device it's a mat that goes on the floor that works out how your feet are moving around and the saying that we have in america is how you dance is how you swing the golf club and it is so true i've never seen anyone with bad footwork be a good golfer okay so the great question you're going to ask me and i see you nodding at me well what happened to park there you go that's the great there's the imponderable about technology versus you know obviously he was doing a lot of these things since he's turned pro he's immediately gone to all of this stuff uh, it's no uh, great cause for amazement that the number one and two in the world Brooks and is Dustin number two now I think he's still there yeah, yeah I think he's still number two isn't he Rory's three Rory's tree. so well certainly Rory, Dustin and well Brooks and, and, and Dustin and Technology mad Rory would be the same, the best fitness trainers. So is technology a good thing? Absolutely. I do think, even though I have all this technology, that you need to be very careful when you're teaching normal players. And I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm saying this in, a, in in the spirit of being the truth. The truth is. Mostly, I would only use Trackman with normal people to come in here just to check a few figures. Uh, maybe just, you know, maybe the, the clubs don't suit them or whatever. Uh, I'm not a fitter myself, but I would then send it to my fitter uh, in Dave Williams in 4Golf. Um, but really, the likes of KVest is for your elite player who wants to get quicker. They already do the right things, but you want to get them to do them better. Uh, Capto certainly is... Once you get them into the correct setup and and fundamentals, that's where capital comes into its 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 uh, own. You don't need capital to tell you the putter is open. So there is that argument, but I still think that in the general scheme of things, you're better off being educated in these subjects, uh, and then trying to tailor it to what's standing in front of you. No, oh, definitely.
2: Is. It kind of once you get to eleven, I see elite as like senior cup team or above. Absolutely. Uh, and if you kind of utilise that technology just for the for the extra percent here and there and does all those percents add up then. Yeah, so the likes of Robert Brazil. There's a guy, you
1: know, um, I think he's into the final of the close, so I was just checking it there. Like, there's a guy that captain would be perfect for. An 18 handicapper coming into me, he doesn't need Kapta. I I can see enough, I don't need a camera, I can see enough to... Well okay you're you're aiming over here, you know this park, so yeah. yes, there's levels for the technology, but I still think it's it's um you know it's remiss of someone to say technology's destroying the game, it certainly isn't it's it's down to the coach to only give what he thinks the client can
2: take on board
1: without confusing them. I have one more question,
2: and then we'll a quick fire round, right, so I'm not sure who, we're talking about facilities, and your one here and the Hinch and others like it are top, top class. But I'm not sure who, who funds, with will say, facilities from a government or Sport Ireland or a GOI point of view, but like there's a, a National Aquatic Centre for all the swimmers, a tennis centre, I think is it in Lepristown, for the top elite tennis players in the country, basketball arena, Aviva Stadium, but the GOI Academy, is there but there's no really would say golf center of excellence you know
1: yeah my problem with golf in this country is um i think we punch way above our weight so if you look at james Sugru winning the amateur and you look at shane winning the open in quick succession you know porrick started the ball off and then others followed in terms of winning majors so it's like the roger banister form in a mile park wins and then someone else says oh i was much better than him i can do it i do think that uh, we've got a little bit left behind i mean if i can build what i have here and there is no other facility like this in ireland in terms of what i have compared to even the they have parts of what i have right i do think that I drive by Leopardstown, and I think I said this to you Park and I see that big white dome and I say, "Why do we not have one of them in Ireland for golf in the winter?" Now GUI do a great job in the winter months of sending guys to Australia and to you know these different tournaments, uh, the winter um, coaching program. I think it's yeah. in Portugal it? Yeah. you know, Manute college. you have to hold your hands up, brilliant job, you know, bringing them away in winter training. But that's 10 or 20 people. Yeah, or whatever that's what I mean that's, that's what I mean you know. you know I do think that there is uh, you know a, co- a need for an indoor facility like down in the GOI Academy which is a fantastic academy except when it's lashing rain and it's freezing cold and it's snowing you know if they should you're, you're
2: limited to range golfing you're limited to mats and bays and long game that's
1: yeah, what we're talking and about here like their short game facilities down there are fabulous right second to none but imagine they were indoor now you have all year round but it's a money commitment and like to build something like that is a lot of money but i would agree with you other sports have it we in ireland certainly um for the size of the country have done done golf proud so i think it it is worth investing but don't forget you're pulling against all other sports as well poric they're looking for funding, they're looking for money. So it's it's you know it's a tough yeah. one.
2: We won't even start on the Dublin GEA team, that'll be a whole different <laughs> podcast in terms of money. So everyone who comes on the show, there's a quick fire QA, Spanish Inquisition. So you can grab a soap of water. And are you ready for this? Absolutely. Right. Shoot. What would your walk-on song be? It has to be Eye of the Tiger. Jim or Pizza? Um
1: years ago, definitely Jim. I was a Jim bunny now, definitely pizza. Hat Visor or bucket hat like Colin Moriarty? Don't wear a hat, never did. Uh, Happy Gilmore or Tim Cook Probably because of Powerick in his. In his uh, to give him credit, he probably does the best one. Happy Gilmore. Very good. Uh, Guinness or Heineken? Uh, anything that's liquid. Very good. Le Hinch or
2: Port Marnock?
1: Now, great question. Um, Le Hinch or Port Marnock? Let me answer that. Haven't played Lynch Hinch in an awful long time. I believe the changes are fantastic. Yeah. Um, big fan of Port Marnock. Obviously I have a good friend out there, the green keeper, Gary Johnson. I'd probably score that 50-50. I'd be delighted to go to either. Very good. Walk or cart? Funny, if I was in Spain with the lads, cart, beer, uh, absolutely playing golf, walk. I think it's you get cold in the cart, and so not walk. Yeah, my impression is I've done it once, it was the worst experience of my yeah, life, didn't can, even see the golf course. If you're not in Spain or Portugal with a bit of heat and a few beers in the back and you're having a bit of crack and it, it's, I totally think it takes away from the experience of golf. So for me, walk. Win the Masters or win the Open? Great question, played Augusta, lucky enough to play it, unbelievable um, uh, experience.
2: God, that's another Lahinch Hinge, Port a question. I'd score that 50-50. Would you rather drive it like Dustin Johnson or drive it like Zach Johnson? Dustin. Instagram or Twitter? Facebook. Play or
1: practice? Uh, years ago, definitely practice. And looking back in it now, the wrong choice. If you ask me now, a little bit of practice warm-up for a group, I think looking at young fellas going round and round and round, and what poor it did, play.
2: Thanks for joining the show. I look forward to having you on the show again in the future, discussing maybe WGA, maybe something else. And I'm definitely going to get back here to the and Golf Academy.
1: Thanks for having me, pork uh, I really enjoyed today, and uh, hopefully, if there's anyone out there listening that uh, is trying to improve with golf, give yourself some time. You know, as, as Rebecca said in her podcast, uh, research, you know, find out someone beside you, Go by word of mouth, go to your club, ask them, what do you think of this guy, what's he teach, do your research, and then the final thing is, you know, give yourself time. It's going to cost some money, don't go out and spend that money on a new driver, get some good coaching, you'll enjoy the game so much more. Definitely, thanks again. Thanks again, Horik.
0: To close out each show, I generally have a segment for all of you, the listeners. I posted that question last week on at Paddy underscore golf, Twitter and Instagram. And those people really helped me out in rounding off the interview with Ty Carrington there. Higgins 455, Andy Daniel Byrne, Keelan Scully 2812, Mike underscore Delaney 1, Anglo underscore Irish underscore golf and Damien McGetterick. Thank you very much for your questions. They were valid and really helped me shape the latter stages of the interview there. Thanks folks for all listening, hitting the show a follow, rate and review it if that's your style most of all please share the show with your family and friends we are doing a giveaway on social media with the seed golf and um, thank you very much for supporting dean and co the giveaway is for one of their new limited edition one of 100 paddy caps just share a story or share one of my Instagram posts which details that giveaway, or retweet my pinned tweet at Paddy underscore golf. We'll be giving away that limited edition Paddy cap on the show in two weeks' time. So get involved, get sharing, and get spreading the news of this podcast. Numbers are growing each week, so thank you very much for pressing play. Until we teed up again soon, I'm Paddy.